0: Hi, and welcome to the Living Room Scripture Lessons. My name is Brad Constantine, and this set of lessons is from the Come Follow Me curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official recording of the Church, every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. There are several other Come Follow Me resources to help with your Gospel and Scripture study. These lessons tend to go a little deeper into the doctrine than most resources. Hopefully this resource will be different enough from the others that you'll come back each week. On the Living Room Scripture Lesson website is a digital version of the lessons, which has more material that can be mentioned in the podcast. You can download that PDF resource and use it as you like. As with other online resources, you can like, share, and subscribe to the podcasts. Again, welcome to this Come Follow Me resource. I hope you like it. Hi, and welcome back to Come, Follow Me. We're still on Lesson 48, and this time we're going to cover uh, Revelation chapter 9. This begins, however, with a question in Doctrine and Covenants section 77. When are the things to be accomplished which are written in the ninth chapter of Revelation? Answer, they are to be accomplished after the opening of the seventh seal, before the coming of Christ. So these events that we're talking about here, these cataclysms and upheavals and so on, are all going to happen before the second coming. Verse 1, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven. And this is talking about Lucifer. Unto the earth, and to the the angel was given the key of the bottomless pit. And this is a temporary thing that Satan is given. If this is the same angel in Revelation 20, it might be also Michael that uh, has the key. Verse 2, And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened, by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth and unto them was given power. God gives agency to humankind and he permits the wicked to destroy one another but he sets boundaries for them. So these these locusts and scorpions are actually men as the scorpions of the earth have power. These are wicked men and armies with power to torment all of humanity except those who have God's seal in their foreheads. Verse four, and it was commanded them, in other words, the soldiers who seek to destroy men that they should not hurt the grass of the earth Neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. So the green tree here, he's talking about the saints that are being protected. Uh, From understanding the book of Revelation, it says, Inhabitants of Zion, many of whom will have the seal of God, will be preserved during this time. They will dwell in the new Jerusalem, which is called a land of peace, a city of refuge, a place of safety for the saints of the Most High God. There shall be gathered unto it, out of every nation under heaven, and it shall be the only people that shall not be at war one with another. And it shall be said among the wicked, Let us not go up to battle against Zion, for the inhabitants of Zion are terrible. Wherefore, we cannot stand." Uh, The righteous in the stakes of Zion will also have safety. Verse 5, And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months, the lifespan of a locust. This may mean a short period of time, and their torment was as the torment of a scorpion. This may be from guilt associated with sin. When he striketh a man, perhaps John is seeing such things as the effects of poisonous gas or bacteriological warfare or atomic fallout, which um, disable but do not kill. Verse 6, And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. John may be describing soldiers of our day in the uniforms and weapons. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. This kind of sounds like jet fighters, doesn't it? Verse 10, And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. This also sounds like uh, jets or helicopters that can fire missiles. This war will be a short one. It may serve as a precursor to the great war that will accompany the blasting of the sixth trumpet, when 200 million soldiers will fight and kill one another, or kill one-third of humanity. Verse 11, And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, or destruction or ruin. But in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon, which also means destruction or destroyer. These are names for Satan. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God, saying, and that, That's the altar in the temple, by the way, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great bottomless pit. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, and a day, and a month, and a year. What this means is that the four angels had been put there for for this hour, this day, this month, and this year, a set time, for to slay the third part of men. This could be billions of people. Verse 16, and the number of the army, now remember that third part doesn't mean a third, it just means a third part, uh, not numerically one third. Verse 16, and the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000, and I heard, and I saw the number of them. So this is at the Battle of Armageddon. Now the symbolism of 200 means uh, that it's insignificant or not enough. And even though there might be 200 million that are fighting against God, uh, symbolically that's just not not enough to defeat him. Uh, Also the numeric figure may be symbolic intended to represent just a great host of people. Verse 17, and thus I saw... The horses in the vision and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. Again, this sounds a lot like um, jets and missiles and and, uh, the weapons that we use in warfare today. Verse 18 By these three was the third part of men killed, by the fire, and by the smoke, and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth, and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents, and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men, which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. The purpose of these events is to encourage people to repent, but they will not. And that's what's leading up to the final battle of Armageddon uh, that we'll read about uh, a little bit later on. I bear testimony of the truth of these things, and that as we prepare ourselves for these events, that we can escape the judgments that God is going to pour out through our worthiness and righteousness and keeping the commandments and following the latter-day prophets. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Hi, and welcome back to Come Follow Me, Lesson 48. We're going to be covering this lesson, uh, Revelation 10, and we'll probably be finishing up also chapter 11. So let's go ahead and get into verse uh, 1 of chapter 10. And I saw another mighty angel and this one is mostly likely Michael come down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was upon his head and his face was as it were like the sun and his feet as pillars of fire in the midst of the vision of the last days. It is as if the Lord pauses and says to John, since you will live during these times, you may wish to know what you'll be doing here is your mission and calling. So this is going to be an explanation here of what uh, John is going to be doing during the during this time prior to the second coming. Verse 2, And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set it, his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth, and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered, uttered, uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders, now the seven thunders which, which here utter their voices are the seven angels reciting in some detail that which is to be in each of the thousand year periods of the earth's temporal existence. And that was from doctrinal New Testament commentary. Uh, the seven thunders had uttered their voices. I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, These things are sealed up, which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. So John is not allowed to reveal all he saw. Remember that Nephi saw the same vision that John is seeing, and Nephi was told that John was going to write the rest of it, and the Nephi was commanded not to finish writing it. And here John is even, in, in his vision, is being now commanded that he can't write everything. Verse 5, And the angel which I saw stand up upon the sea, and upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven. Again, this is making uh, gestures or or temple oaths here. So this has temple imagery again with it. Uh, Verse 6, And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer. This may mean the beginning of the millennium or it may mean there should be no more delay before the final signs of the times are fulfilled and God sends his final judgments upon the wicked. So when he says uh, that there should be time no longer that may just mean that time is up and the millennium is going to be ushered in the second coming is going to happen now. Verse 7, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again, and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel, and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it, and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. Uh, Doctor and Covenant, section 77 asks the question, What are we to understand by the little book which was eaten by John, as mentioned in the 10th chapter of Revelation? Answer, we are to understand that it was a mission and an ordinance for him to gather the tribes of Israel. Behold, this is Elias, who, is, who as it is written, must come and restore all things. Joseph Fielding Smith said, The Elias who was to restore all things is a composite Elias. In other words, the restoration was not made by one personage, but many. And in speaking of Elias coming to restore all things, the Lord was using that title in a plural meaning, having in mind all the prophets who came to restore the fullness of the gospel. This would include John the Baptist, Peter, James, and John, and every ancient prophet who restored keys from the days of Adam down. Verse 11, And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many pro- many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. John became a translated being who would minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation who dwell on the earth. Parley P. Pratt said, He is yet alive in the flesh and is held in reserve to prophesy again before many peoples, nations and tongues and kings as it is written. So John's mission is still uh, to be done. Don't know what he's doing. Uh, we know that he had been among the ten tribes for a while. But uh, his mission is still to bear testimony to kings and rulers. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that transpires. Chapter 11, and verse 1. And there was given me a reed, six cubits in length, or about ten feet, like unto a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God. Now there's a significance here to measuring. In Ezekiel chapter 40 to 46, an angel is also measuring the temple. Uh, And there's a significance to that. So let me read that to you here. Joseph Smith said, Judah must return, Jerusalem must be rebuilt, and the temple and water come out from under the temple, and the waters of the Dead Sea be healed. It will take some time to rebuild the walls of the city and the temple. So he's measuring the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. So he's not just measuring the temple, he's measuring the people. So whatever is measured is protected by God. Even the people are are measured. The destruction of the wicked is noted as without measure. John holds the keys of the kingdom of God on earth, and as such, and as the last of the apostles left on earth, he is here commanded to study the conditions of the church and all its members so he can give proper direction to their worship. So when, when John sees the temple being measured and the people in the temple, uh, he knows that they're they're the ones that will be protected at, uh, from all of these uh, things that he's been seeing happen. Verse 2, But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. In other words, leave it unsanctified and unprotected. For it is given, or God will allow, <clears throat> unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread under underfoot to show contempt for sacred things and to persecute, even destroy others. Forty and two months. So that's three and a half years that Jerusalem will be trodden under by Gentiles. Parley P. Pratt said, John informs us that after the city and temple are rebuilt by the Jews, the Gentiles will tread it underfoot forty-two months, during which time there will be two prophets continually prophesying and working mighty miracles. And it seems that the Gentile army shall be hindered from an, utterly destroying and overthrowing the city, while these two prophets continue. But after a struggle of three and a half years, They at length succeed in destroying these two prophets, and then overrunning much of the city, they send gifts to each other because of the death of the two prophets, and in the meantime will not allow their dead bodies to be put in the graves, but suffer them to lie in the streets of Jerusalem three days and a half. Continuing on, verse 3, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, the two witnesses fulfills the ancient Israelite law of witnesses. No doubt they will be members of the council of the twelve or of the first presidency of the church. Their prophetic ministry to rebellious Jewry shall be the same in length as was our Lord's personal ministry among their rebellious forebears. So they're going to serve as three and a half years as prophets in Jerusalem, the same length of time that Jesus served his ministry. Continuing verse three, and they shall, that was a quote, by the way, from, uh, Doctrinal New Testament commentary, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and days. Again, that's three and a half years clothed in sackcloth. Verse four, these are the two olive trees. shall They shall provide oil for the lamps of the faithful. In other words, testimonies of Jesus Christ and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. This may mean that they are in the temple. Again, uh, section 77. What is what is to be understood by the two witnesses in the 11th chapter of Revelation? They are two prophets that are to be raised up to the Jewish nation in the last days at the time of the restoration and to prophesy to the Jews after they are gathered and have built the city of Jerusalem in the land of their fathers. Verse 5. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And, it, and if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. Similar power to Enoch to thwart armies, Moses to issue plagues, and Elijah to seal the heavens. So these prophets are going to represent all the prophets. Verse 6, These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, like Elijah, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will, like Moses. The two prophets will have the sealing power, and when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified, in other words, Jerusalem. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. The worldwide community will be involved at least emotionally in the slaying of these two prophets, and somehow they'll be able to witness what's going on, whether that's on television broadcast somehow, on Fox News or whatever. Verse 10, And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them, and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after these, after three days and in half, the Spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up into heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand. And the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. Remember, this is when Jesus appears on the Mount of Olives to cause this earthquake to occur. And that the earthquake causes the Mount of Olives to be cut in twain and the Jews to flee from Jerusalem or from the city and come come to the Mount where he is. Verse 14, And the second woe was passed, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded, and there was a great, there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign over, he shall reign forever and ever. So this must be about the time that uh, the meeting at Adam on Amen occurs, where Jesus is sustained as the King of kings and Lord of lords, where he's given authority over the entire earth. So that must have happened here uh, for them to say this. Verse 16, And the four and twenty elders, which sat before God on their seats, fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come in the time of the dead. That they should be judged, and, and that thou shouldst. Give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name shall small and great, and shouldst destroy them which destroy the earth. <clears throat> Verse 19, And the temple of God was opened in heaven. Again, the celestial kingdom is opened to receive the saints who are resurrected, judged, and found worthy to enter. And there was seen in, this, in his temple the ark of the testament. And there were lightnings, and voices, and thunderings, and an earthquake, and a great hail. Again, so the this is showing here the uh, those that are being protected that the Saints uh, that the two prophets will be killed and and uh, that but however the Jews will be spared and uh, and uh, this all happens prior to the second coming I bear testimony of the truth of these things and say these things in the name of Jesus Christ amen see you next time